I'm so glad you've taken time out of your day to join us here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's all about you and that wallet of yours. I want you to learn ideas from me so you can keep more of what you make. Uh, Coming up in just a few minutes, when is too much work too much? Well, I'm going to tell you something absolutely shocking in today's Clark Rageous moment. And later, do you know that we are really, really close, maybe by summer, to have our first packages being delivered by e-commerce companies by drone? I'll fill you in on that. I want to talk right now about something that you have got to not allow inertia to rip yourself off. So I'm looking at a survey that just came out of what people earn in savings with the giant banks. Bank of America, Chase, Citi, Fifth Third Bank, Regions, SunTrust, U.S. Bank, Wells Fargo are all paying people typically one one hundredth of one percent on their savings, which is essentially zero on your savings. There are people who have uh, significant deposits that will go at one of these giant banks and convince them to pay them more on their savings. But generally, if you're with any of the giant monster mega banks or large regional banks, as a matter of business, they're paying essentially nothing. Now, this is so significant with the Federal Reserve raising the interest rates it controls again and several more increases coming this year, barring some unexpected turn in the world. It means that every time they raise rates, what you pay for a car loan will go up. A home equity loan you already have, the interest rates will go up quarter point every time the Fed adjusts what it does. And credit card rates will go up by a quarter point. But the big banks are still going to pay you nothing on savings because they count on us being busy with our lives and not doing anything about it. Now, we are probably just days away from the first of the online savings accounts paying 2% again. Right now, the best you can earn seems to be settling in around 1.75%. But those rates are going to continually go up by the end of the year, likely be around 2.75%, maybe higher, on simple savings accounts or money market accounts with online banks. So if you continue to have your savings at one of the big banks, you hate yourself. You hate yourself. Stop hating on yourself. And no need for you to be a masochist. No need to let the big bank be a sadist to you. You instead treat yourself right. And even if you don't want to fire the giant monster mega or regional bank you're with, at the very least, link your account to the savings or money market account at one of the online banks, and instead of earning essentially zero, you're closing in on earning 2%. Now, 2% isn't 
is not earth-shattering, but it gets you closer to covering the rate of inflation in the economy. You have savings at one of the big banks. You're essentially falling behind every single year because you're falling behind inflation, and that's not a good plan. Judy joins us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Judy. How are you today? I'm good, Clark. Thank you very much. Hey, what do you think of headhunters? And if you have any respect for them at all, how do I pick one? Wow, that was a very, very wide open question. So it'll depend on circumstance. Headhunters, uh, that term is really generally today most respected when it involves the search for an upper-level corporate executive or a university president or someone who has very specific, highly sought-after technical skills or experience. Okay, so in other words, there's no general headhunter that you can just call and say, hey, can you find me something? That doesn't exist anymore. No, it does exist. I'm not that fond of it. Can, no, not. can we zero in on the circumstance? Are you looking yeah. for a new job, Judy? No, not me. My 30-year-old daughter has been in an insurance company. We're doing saves for about four years, and she's kind of tired of working indoors. Has her master's degree, whatever. And uh, <laughs> What's her master's in? Business. And is it general uh, business or finance? or what's... General business. General business. Okay. Her undergrad degree is, unfortunately, exercise science, so you can't do anything with that, but what can I say? Actually, actually, I see possibilities right there. Oh, good for you. What? So, uh, I don't know your daughter, but okay. I, I always like to take somebody's picture and try to figure out directions maybe they haven't thought about. So, okay. she's got a, a master's in business. An undergraduate degree in exercise science. She doesn't want to do necessarily exercise science as her career, but she likes the field and likes being around it. Yes. Well, any organization that is, let's say, uh, uh, physical therapy practice or OT practice or anything like that, that some of what she learned is tangentially related to what they do, they need people with advanced business skills. Yeah,那那所以，okay，那我问你，那我问你，那我问你，那我问你，那我问你，那我问你，那我问你，那我问你，那我问你，那我问你，那我问你，那我问你，那我问你，那我问你，那我问你，那我问你，那我问你，那我
a new enhanced sense of loyalty to where they went to school and you know why because the school wants money from their money. alums sure sure so schools look at doing a good job for their alums in postgraduate career counseling yeah. as almost like marketing for the long-term benefit of the school mm-hmm. okay that's good okay wonderful okay but Generally speaking, you're not a fan of headhunters, even if, you know, you figure... No, I mean, especially with you telling me your two kids don't really know what they want to do in life exactly anyway. Right. You know, your your child who already has a master's and invested all that time in education now saying, you know, this is all like um, disorienting for me and disillusioning and all that. I want to go start all over. I think it means that the skills that she acquired aren't just being applied in something that she can thrive in. Okay. It doesn't necessarily mean she needs to go get a new set of skills. Oh, okay, okay. So That's I think still. I think um, let go of the whole headhunter thing. Okay, all right. And instead, Sorry. go back to basics. And they've got to do this. You can't do it for them. No, please, please. No way, not at 71. But that's good. I just wanted to know what you... In other words, I'll probably have got four of them, so they might, all of them might run into it. I don't know. But it's good um, feedback because I'm thinking, okay, I don't want to put them on a treadmill either. So Exactly. Perfect. perfect. That works here. Thank you. All right. Best to you. Hey, if things really work out for either or both of them going the direction I mentioned at the college campuses, right. I'd love to have that feedback from you. We'll certainly let you know. Thank you. And Tom is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Tom. Hey, Clark. How are you? Great. Thank you, Tom. Uh, You have a great question for me in a scenario I don't think anybody's ever asked me exactly like you're going to pose it. I knew I was special. (laughs) Good for you. All right, my neighbor, I live in an apartment complex. My neighbor, one of my neighbors, has a, uh, a hybrid car that's coming up at the end of its lease. So he was, uh, I'd like to talk to people that own these cars just to find out general information. And uh, I was talking to him about his car and that he was leasing it, was planning to turn it in in June. And so I thought later, what if I were to buy it? Because he said it would cost about $14,000, which is a 2015 uh, car, and... You know, has low mileage on it. He says it runs great. He's had all the service done at the dealership. So, and then later I thought, what if I were to buy it and just get a a cashier's check or something, and then I would just own it. I'd save some money and have a good a good car. Well, your timing at looking at your neighbor's hybrid or any other used hybrid could not be better if you tried, because oh, the bottom has fallen out of that market. And I was reading a story just last week about the uh, granddaddy of all the hybrids, the Toyota Prius, right? whose market has fallen to pieces after the Prius was so incredibly popular for so many years, now they are a really unloved car. So that brings up an interesting possibility. You may find that a 2015 Prius with low miles will cost less than what it would be to buy this vehicle from your neighbor when his lease is up for the residual stated in that lease. 
It was supposed to be $14,000. Yeah, you may find one uh, fair amount cheaper than that. So what you're saying is that I should possibly look around at, at dealerships and so forth and you know, practice my negotiating skills and see what I can get at a dealership. Or for, for a hybrid? Or tell me how many miles you drive a day. Not that much. Um, I'm, what I'm actually thinking of doing is becoming a, a Lyft or an Uber driver, something like that. And in uh, that, all of my cars are older, much older. And, and I'm thinking of actually getting something that's in this century and uh, <laughs> driving some distance, you know, various things. And, you know, gas mileage in my older cars isn't really that great. And the so, Prius, uh, Prius is a perfect vehicle for an Uber or Lyft driver because you're looking at fuel economy that will average around 52 to 54 miles a gallon. Exactly. Now, I will tell you, if you're going to be an Uber or Lyft driver, I really like for you to look at the Prius V. V in, is in victory. Okay. Which is a um, like a microvan, I guess you'd okay. call it. Okay. Or uh, almost like a large, sta- a small station wagon. Because what that allows you to do is you're able to carry a lot of people and a lot of luggage. Oh, okay. Good to know. And so looking at any of the hybrids, though, used is just your timing could not be more perfect if you tried. Now, can the the price of the leased vehicle be renegotiated? If a lease is done with an automaker's leasing arm, generally they won't. If it's done through a bank lease, yes. Because let me tell you, the bank leases, they don't want those vehicles back at all. Oh, okay. And when they've got a vehicle that is a slow seller, as a used vehicle like the hybrids are right now, the bank leases are a scream. You live in California, though. Glendale, Southern California. All right. Do you have any relatives that live um, elsewhere in the country? Nevada. I, uh, Nevada may help because California, because of the uniqueness of its auto market and gasoline prices, there's a stronger market for hybrids in California than any other place. You may find where your relative lives in Nevada that you can get a hybrid at a much lower price than you could in California. And then you get to go see your relative as part of the deal. Do you work too much? Well, it's something that I do too much of, but I own my own organization. It's my choice to work too much. Today's Clark Radius moment is that if I live somewhere else, it might be a crime. Scams, ripoffs, outrages. It's a Clark Regis moment. All right, so this is absolutely crazy. This is a story from Britain about a baker in France, a baker who owns his own bakery shop. He's been fined 3,000 euros, which is around $3,700, I guess. He was fined that much because the French government decided he was working too much. And so for working too much in France, it is against the law, even in your own business. I want everybody, you've heard me say over the years, I always want you to take your vacation. I want you to make sure 
that you're good to yourself. You give yourself time to recharge, to refresh. But when it's your own business, being an entrepreneur, it requires what it requires and the hours it takes. And for a government to tell me I can't work when I want to work in my own business? What an incredible Clark rage. I cannot believe it. I can't stand it. And I am contemptuous of government interfering in people's lives in such a way. I'm so glad you're with us here on the Clark Howard Show where it's about you and that wallet of yours. I want you to learn ideas from me so you can keep more of what you make. Do you know it was not given a lot of media coverage, but an FAA official has announced that limited package deliveries to U.S. households are going to start this summer. There are a number of petitioners. Obviously, Amazon has been pushing to do this all along. But I'm really excited about this because I think it's going to help smaller players in retail and e-commerce be able to compete on a more equal footing. Because a dirty little secret about e-commerce is that the shared monopoly of package delivery, UPS and FedEx, charge discriminatory rates that mega shippers pay a fraction to deliver a package what a smaller business does. And so when it becomes routine that you're able to deliver a package from your business as, let's say, an operator just in one town, that you're able to deliver a package to a customer of yours by drone flight, it puts you on a much more equal footing with Amazon and Walmart that are the two mega giants of delivery, online sales and delivery. And so I look at this as an enormous benefit to creating more competition than to have these two behemoths control most of online shopping. The drone flights, at least initially, are likely to, I've seen, and I've read uh, two news articles about this. One said that the packages would be five pounds or less. The other said six pounds or less. But you get the general category of size. And a lot of package deliveries are smaller items of a lower weight and would be able to be delivered by drone potentially and I think this is really, really good stuff. I mean, the change is happening. These technological changes are happening faster than most of us can find space in our comfort zone for them. And I don't know if you've heard, but New Zealand is going to be the second country to have self-flying taxis, for lack of a better term. They're electric. They take off like a helicopter. They fly like an airplane and they fly you to your destination without a pilot, which is designed for metro areas. This isn't for long flight. It's designed for shorter flight, and it's just another signal 
about the changes that are coming to transportation. You know, I've been on the front lines with where auto transportation's going. I have a self-driving car, partially, has something called autopilot that does the braking, steering, and controls the speed. And it really frightens people when they ride with me, when they see the car doing the driving instead of me. But the reality is the car drives a lot better generally than I do. But it's a long way from what I have to where cars will be fully self-driving. That's absolutely coming. But you may have heard there was the tragic loss of life in Arizona where an Uber self-driving vehicle hit and killed a woman who was a pedestrian. But I believe that on balance, vehicles that operate themselves are going to be a big lifesaver rather than something that does put people in more danger. I think it will make people much safer overall. Dan is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Dan. Hi. How are you? I'm fine. How are you? Good, thank you. Dan, you got a daughter who's about to run up a big bill. Well, she does have a big bill. She's been out of college since 2011, and um, we took loans out, again, just to get her more serious about what she was doing. She took approximately $30,000 loans out in Stafford loans, and then when that ran out, we couldn't get any more, and we ended up with $30,000 in private loans. Oh, boy. At so what did time, she get for that 60000 Well, five years looking for a job, and she finally found one, and it's paying about 37000 a year, so not a lot. And is she, at 37000 is she doing something that's a public service kind of job? No. Okay, I'm sorry, I was looking for a way out on the half of the loans that are Stafford? Sure. So uh, 60000 in loans, that's not manageable on an income of 37 a year. No, but we did pay off her private loans, and that, that was it. That's where I stopped. We paid off, so she's got... Well, that was, that was a wonderfully generous thing you did for your daughter. So the, the remaining 30, because they're Stafford's, will actually be manageable. Well, what stopped me, I did her taxes a few weeks ago, and I looked, and she had over, she had almost $3,500 in interest paid, and I just could not believe that. So her, her Staffords are carrying an interest rate of around 6 point something percent? 6.8, exactly. Okay. All right. So she will, at that income, is going to have to go into income-based repayment. Okay. Are you familiar with that term? Is that where, based on her income, she pays? Yeah, so there's two programs. Uh, IBR, income-based repayment, is the older one. The newer one is referred to by the very uncatchy term, revised pay-as-you-earn. Okay. And under revised pay-as-you-earn, she will be potentially eligible for uh, loan forgiveness as long as she makes... Uh, the payments required based on her income, which is she's required to pay 10% of what's considered to be her disposable income. Okay. So the payments would be very low. And then I know this is going to sound crazy, but after under current rules, 
after, uh, I think it's going to be 20 years, I'm trying to remember if it's 20 or 30 with the most recent rules, she will have the, the loans that the balance unpaid will be forgiven. But does she accrue interest if yeah, she... Yeah, but the interest is forgiven too. It is. Yeah, so the whole kit and caboodle is forgiven as long as she does everything 100% right. Right. With doing the revised pay as you are in process. And she has to manage it almost like a part-time job. Okay. To make sure she's getting credit for the years as she should. And it's um, this was all undergraduate, was it not? Yes. So 20 years will lead to forgiveness of remaining balance. Okay. She'll have to pay tax on the forgiven amount. But that's a small amount to pay versus the value of the forgiveness. Right. And there's a briefing that I can send you to for revised pay pay as you earn at studentaid.ed.gov. Okay. It's what they call their income-driven section. Okay. Now, there are rumors that the Trump administration is going to eliminate this program, but people that are already in it will be able to stay in it. So that's why time is of the essence. Sure. So now that she has this job, obviously 37,000 income is not going to support 30,000 in student loans on a normal payment plan. Right. But the revised pay as you earn will get it done for her and get her the forgiveness. Revised pay as you earn, okay. And you'll see that, but also everything has to be done exactly right to qualify under revised pay as you earn, and more importantly, for the forgiveness after the 20 years. So best of luck to her and your good dad looking out for your daughter. Don is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Don. Hello there, Mr. Howard. How are you? Oh, please call me Clark. Okay, I thought I'd throw that in there. <laughs> <laughs> you just wanted to hear me say say that, right? <laughs> I, I haven't heard that term very often, so I, I figured I'd, I'd elicit a response that way. All right. <laughs> well, how can I serve you, Don? Okay. Um, you have uh, talked about credit karma several times, and it sounds like a great service. So I signed up for it. And as soon as I go to use it, this window pops up, and it says that uh, they cannot access my credit information because it's frozen, which is also one of the things that you recommend. Right. Aren't I a contradiction in terms? I mean, come on. I tell you to do one thing, and you do that, and then you go to the other thing, and you can't do it because you did the first thing. That's right. Yeah. You got to replace me. I'm just totally letting you down here. Actually, there are a series of processes that I like for you to do before you engage in a credit freeze. In your case, you'll have to reverse the order. And one of them is to set up a My Social Security account. Because one of the nasty things going on these days is criminals are taking over somebody's Social Security identity and stealing their benefits. Yes. And so with a My Social Security account, you're able to set up 
um, a dashboard where you're able to monitor what's going on with your Social Security. And you can only set it up when your credit is thawed, not when it's frozen. Oh, okay. And then once it's set up, your credit can be frozen and left frozen. You'll have access to my Social Security. And then the other thing is to set up a Credit Karma account and potentially a Credit Sesame account as well, which are both websites that do the various monitoring and credit score and all that for you and credit report access for free. Okay. So in your case, because your credit's frozen, you're actually going to have to pay until a new, what looks like a, let's say it's going to be a new federal law goes into effect, but you'll have to pay to thaw your credit in most states mm-hmm. to then do these other things, then you let your credit go back frozen. I see. Or okay. you can wait till you're doing something else, like applying for credit or getting a new cell phone plan or getting some kind of pay TV service, anything where they make you thaw your credit to apply for service with them. Uh-huh. At that point, you just piggyback all these things at once. Okay. So this isn't something that's extremely urgent. It- no, it would be a nice thing to have a Credit Karma dashboard, a Credit Karma yeah. dashboard, to have the Social Security dashboard. All these things are good for you to have, but I wouldn't say unless you're intending, as an example, let's say you're intending to uh, buy a home or refinance a home in the next couple of years. Then it would be great if you were monitoring your credit with Credit Karma or Credit Sesame or both. And that would make yeah. it worth it for you to spend the money to thaw your credit now. Right, that makes sense. But other than an application for credit, you can just let things sit for a while. Okay. Also, uh, I froze my credit uh, at another place, uh, Innovis. I don't yeah. know if you've talked about that. But. Yeah, so Innovis is the Innovis, Innovis, or whatever they call themselves. They are the invisible player in the credit reporting industry. They account for a teensy tiny amount of market share. I have also frozen my Innovis report or Innovis, however say it. Uh-huh. But I don't ever mention it because they're such a small part of the action. Okay. I thought they were like the check cashing people or something like that, which I could see where it would dwindle That's down check somewhere. systems. Oh, checks. Check systems. Um, that, that is another thing. Innovus is, is a form of a, um, of a credit reporting agency that is a little different than Equifax, TransUnion, and Experian. And we can all drive ourselves crazy with all these people <laughs> that track data on us. So we do the best we can with all of them. Bruna is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Bruna. How are you doing? Hi, Clark. Nice to talk to you. I've been following you for years. Well, I am so glad, and it's great to have you here. And you have followed my advice about getting a Chromebook. Yes, I have. As soon as I read that in your email newsletter, I said, this is exactly what I need. And have you liked it? I love it. I love it. I got a good deal. Uh, you mentioned it in your newsletter that there was a good deal going on, and I got it, and I got it for half price, and it's fabulous because it has a really long battery life, which is fantastic, and it boots up right away, and it's just perfect for me. And the price, you can't beat the price. 
I mean, it's I why think- Chromebooks are completely dominating the laptop market in not just the United States, but becoming such a huge factor around the world because they're a simple web surfing machine. You pop it open and four seconds later, you're on the internet. It's pretty amazing what they do. Yeah, it's great. I I had no clue about the Chromebooks until I read it in your newsletter. The only concern I have, Clark, is because I'm going to use it, as you suggest, exclusively for my finances, I'm a little concerned about the antivirus. I I don't see anything on there. Yeah, because the way they work, the architecture of a Chromebook makes them very resistant to viruses. And it's Google's operating system. Chrome is their operating system. And you'll see on your Chromebook in the bottom right corner, and they they should make this clearer to people, when there is a need for additional protection on the Chromebook, they handle it. And there will be oh. a circle with an arrow in it. Oh, and The arrow wow. points up. And when you see that on the Chromebook, that means you need to click on it. It will do a quick reboot of your Chromebook and will update the security built into it, into its operating system, to keep you safe. Well, that's fantastic. The only other question I had was uh, um, I've always read or heard that uh, going through the banks or financial institutions web, I mean, app is safer than just going through their website. But I'm not sure if I'm able to download apps and is it safe to download apps? So apps you run from your smartphone and I like for you to uh, do transactions now some chromebooks let me back up some chromebooks now will run apps but that's very few of them that'll Mm -hmm. be common in the future but doing a banking app on your phone i really like that because then the bank has taken full responsibility for everything that's happened because they're the ones that put the app together in the first place you're listening to the clark howard show I want you to know that I appreciate so much that you've just tuned into our podcast, that you had faith in the information and advice you get. You want more information from us? One of the best ways to get Clark Smart is with our free newsletters, Clark Daily, Clark Deals, and Travel Escape. Sign up now. You'll be able to unsubscribe at any time if you think I'm wasting your time. Go to clark.com newsletters.